You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to NSPS Radio Hour. This is Kurt Sumner, your host. I'm glad to have with me today Tyler Ardron with uh, um, the Risk Reduction Plus Group within SmartVent Products Incorporated. So, Tyler, thank you, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Kurt. Thank you for having me. Tyler and I met uh, during our spring conference uh, recently, and I had had uh, met Tom Little before, and actually Tom was on the show a couple of years ago, I think, Tyler, um, after yeah. I met him at yep, the uh, New Jersey conference. And so it was great to have him on, and then it was good talking with you guys about this. I don't know how new the section you're in is. I don't recall us talking about it the last time Tom and I talked, but... Uh, Yep. Sounds like you've got a, a, a an interesting uh, thing going there, and and of course uh, for surveyors, I mean, of course with what Smart Vents does, and that's of interest to surveyors because surveyors are into the the flood risk business, or at least some are to some degree, and right. um, and so I wanted to get you on the show to talk about uh, a lot of things. One is what you guys are doing in in your group, and then uh, we'll talk about some some changes in the NFIP that. Uh, flood insurance program, um, and then just follow on some other things that you've got going, maybe get some more stories out of you before we're done. So um, if you would uh, introduce yourself to the audience and talk a little bit about uh, SmartVent itself and then your group. Sure thing, Kurt. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, my name's Tyler Ardrin. I'm an insurance broker. I'm also a certified floodplain manager. Um, and I want to just talk a little bit about who we are Um now, as you know, we've been known as SmartVent, um, and last time you spoke with Tom, we didn't really have our risk reduction group um, company out there. Now we were full-fledged out in the market. Uh, we're an insurance company that specializes in flood insurance. Uh, and, Kurt, the reason why we, we did this was because we were, we were having trouble um, doing our FREs, which is the flood risk evaluator, where we, where we review the elevation certificate for surveyors and tell them what exactly needs to be done to mitigate this home properly. Um, but what we were trying to do is get insurance quotes from insurance companies to show the actual benefit um, because, you know, we can tell clients all day long that, if you, you know, if you do this, if you put in the vents, if you make grade changes or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, It'll save on your flood insurance, but showing them the actual savings and showing them an actual flood quote is really what gets the job done. So we were really having a bottleneck on the insurance agent end because of really the lack of knowledge in the market for flood insurance. So we said, you know, we have, we have all this knowledge from SmartVent and through the flood risk evaluator, so let's open an insurance company where when we give these FRE reports, uh, the flood risk evaluator reports to the surveyor, um, showing them what needs to be done mitigation-wise for their client. We can also give a flood insurance quote to show them what the benefit is of not only of the protection standpoint of the home, but also the the dollar savings that they're going to incur over that first year, over the five years, over the term of a mortgage that they're required to have flood insurance. Um, so we have an on-house, in-house underwriting team. 
We're all certified floodplain managers like myself. We have multiple agents uh, that are running these flood risk evaluator reports and getting them out to the professionals out in the field like the surveyors um, and showing them the, the discount in the insurance savings if they make the mitigation changes that we recommend. Um, also, since then, we've come out with multiple programs for surveyors, uh, one being the Survey Rewards Program. And what that is is if a surveyor sends in the elevation certificate, we're going to give them points based on the diagram number. Um, and not only with the points, we're going to also give them the FRE report that they can give their client as an added benefit to show them, you know, again, what changes they need to do to get into compliance. Um, it also helps with a lot of surveyors because I know a lot in the field get questioned on, you know, what can I do to save on flood insurance? Because the elevation certificate is the first step in getting their flood insurance down. Um, so from there, most of the time the insurance agent is going to tell the client, get an elevation cert, um, and then, you know, we'll go from there. So then the client gets that, and then they're going to ask the surveyor for questions, you know, what do I need to do to save my insurance, what mitigation changes, or whatever the case is. This report supplements, um, you know, any of them questions and gives them full detail on what they need to do, like I said, mitigation-wise, um, and answer any questions that they may have. And if they do have any more additional questions, the surveyor can give them our hotline, which we have designed just for homeowners or professionals to call in, and we can answer their questions um, in terms to, you know, whatever, their flood insurance, in terms of the mitigation that we recommend it, um, or just the basic elevation certificate. We can go over how to properly fill that out or, you know, what, what needs to be done in terms of that. Do, do you guys do any, um, and, and I'll follow up a little bit on why I'm asking this question. Sure. Do you do, like, educational uh, activities with surveyors? And, and the reason I'm asking that question is um, we – Years ago, we started something called the Federal Floodplain or the Certified Floodplain Surveyor Program with FEMA, uh -huh. and cur currently it's it only is available in in one location, North Carolina. But there's a lot of in renewed interest in that program. We've got probably ten or eleven state society groups that are interested in doing sort of what North Carolina's doing. We we talked about this on a radio show a couple of weeks ago, how that right. program works, and and one of the big issues always is. Uh, 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 let's give you an example. I was at the Tennessee conference recently, and their state floodplain manager was there, and they uh, were talking they were about talking all the issues that pop up when when these uh, uh, surveys are done and people are trying to get uh, their their certificates. And mm -hmm. so, uh, th there seems to be a lot of information that surveyors need to know that maybe they don't know, with mm -hmm. in terms of how to how to answer all the questions or get all the materials together. So I was just curious if within your program, do you offer any kind of education that could be taken out to the surveying population at all, or how does that work? Yes. So, yeah, yes, we do, Kurt. Um, we've, we have one-hour CE classes uh, that we have reps all over the country that can come out to the specific office and do a one-hour training. Um, we also have done with multiple surveyor shows, uh, the state chapters, a three-hour training 
where we go over mitigation, um, we go over insurance savings, and we go over how to properly fill out that elevation certificate. Um, kind of, kind of like what I'm, you know, going over today, but more in detail, obviously, because it's three hours. Um, but to answer your question, yes, we do. And we can, like I said, we can come out to their office, um, or we can, you know, set up something at a central hub and do the three hour course that we've done for state chapters. Um, it's just, you know, whatever, whatever's in interest of, you know, the market. Right. I, I could see the, Certainly, the three-hour thing, perhaps uh, blending its way into um, continuing education for surveyors that they get sometimes, most of the time, through their state societies. Yep. Um, because this is certainly an area where the surveyor sure. is somewhat mandated to be a part of it, but we're not always necessarily prepared to be a part of it. And then again, there right. are some surveyors who do who do this work almost exclusively. So you've got a big a big difference in. How, how the surveying community gets involved. Yeah, and just to get share with you some stats um, with our flood risk evaluator, because not only is the flood risk evaluator helping with the homeowners out there by getting them these reports and helping answer the surveyor questions, but it's also, from a data standpoint, helping us shape the market um, and see all these ECs, because we're getting all these elevation certificates from all across the country. Uh, for example, we did last year 1,850 reviews all across the country. Um, so we're seeing, you know, we had the surveyors that send us every EC from, say, you know, that's all they do, and they're sending 30 a month. And then we have the other ones who are doing one or two a month or one or two a quarter even, and we're seeing that too. So I really get to see, like you, like you were saying, that divide of the surveyor who does one or two a year or one or two, whatever, and then the other surveyor who's just doing ECs constantly. Um, and you can see the difference, you know, in the work. And like you said, that's because there's not really that much training out there. And that's what, that's what we're looking to do is help the surveyors out there um, with our SRP program, with our flood risk evaluator, we're trying to help them get into, you know, into the knowledge of filling out that elevation cert, answering questions that homeowners may have, um, and make them, like us, a flood resource for, you know, clients out there in the field because clients, like the surveyors, only, you know, wor on a worse end are at a lack of knowledge in flood insurance as well. So they're looking to the professionals to answer the questions that that, that they may have, um, like the surveyors and like like ourselves, um, to get them the correct questions, to get them the answers, and to be their resource for flood. Now the, we only got uh, well, we got a couple of minutes left. I was going to ask another question. Um, when when all of this information is done and eventually gets submitted to to FEMA, I guess, if somebody's trying to get a certain ruling or show whether or not they're in a in the particular zone or whatever, right? Um, that 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 all plays part of this too. I mean, the reason the work's being done by the surveyor, obviously, is that somebody needs to know that information for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And so the the does the stuff that you guys do with the surveyors go all the way through the whole uh, submit? You know, how to submit the the information to FEMA or 
is it just stop with the basics of what's on the certificate? Right. So depending on the case, um, most of the time we're able to save people money, and that's because either mitigation, that's because they're currently being misrated by their insurance agent, which is, again, like the surveyors, um, the insurance agents are, too, at a lack of knowledge with flood because flood insurance is complete, completely different than car and house. It's completely different. It's all government regulated. And as much as they want this government program to mirror insurance, it's not. Um, so that's another thing that I see a lot is agent misrating. So an agent who's rating the elevation cert that may be completely done accurately by the surveyor, and then when they give the insurance info to the homeowner, they misrate someone, they then overcharge them, um, and if a homeowner asks them a question, they say, well, it's through the NFIP and FEMA, and there's nothing that can be done about it. Right. So that's another thing well, that I'm looking out for. Um, and go ahead, Kurt. We're, we're, I hate to interrupt, but we're 10 seconds away from our break. So okay, let, we'll bring this into the next first break, segment. And we'll, we'll pick up on that in our next segment because I do want to finish up on it. Sounds good. Got a Seanstead locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS-recognized surveyor education program by shipping it, at no cost to you, to Seanstead. The factory will refurbish it to like new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy. Go to www.seanstead.com slash NSPS for details. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Tyler, before we went to break, you were talking about um, the benefits of, of the program that you guys have and the, the misratings by the agents and, of course, sometimes the misunderstandings by the, by the surveyors. And we kind of kind of have a somewhat of a grasp for that in the fact that uh, we have a, a member on the Technical Mapping Advisory Council for FEMA. And... Uh, Wendy Lathrop is our person. You may even know Wendy. She's in New Jersey. Um, but anyway, she's currently doing that for us, and she's terming out, so we're going to nominate somebody else for this upcoming thing. But the point I was making was we get a lot of information from her, um, and it's almost as though uh, this is probably not correct terminology, but it's almost like it's a per, in a perpetual state of change in, mm-hmm. in terms of all the, the, the information and, and the, uh, the program itself. Right, right. Um, 
Yeah, and they they they're, they try to mirror the they're trying to mirror insurance as much as they can, uh, but just being it's government regulated and everything, it, it you know it's tough um, and it's tough for the NFIP, and there's a real disconnect between the NFIP and the professionals like the agents and the surveyors out there to getting them properly trained. Um, and I did want to share with you, Kurt, the numbers real quick that, that I've gotten from last year from the FRE department. Um, so real quick, we did 1,850 reviews, um, and that's now in almost every state across the country. And the total customer premium reductions that we've gotten are $3,032,165. Um, so that, that's the big number there that I wanted to share with you. And a lot of it is good cases where if you do this, mitigation we recommend, you're going to go down. Um, a big chunk of it's the agent misratings where, listen, there's nothing you have to do to your house, but if you, do, if you get rated correctly by either coming to us because we do write the insurance or by trying to you know, argue with your agent and get that rate corrected, you should be paying this and then save you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so that, that's the number that I wanted to share with you there. And then uh, earlier you mentioned the whole thing about the, the survey information, and I, I think the training you're talking about has to be helpful for us as surveyors because, you know, we're land surveyors. We're, we're not necessarily well-educated or trained in all the things that, that that's, right. that's being asked for on the, on the uh, submittals. And so any way that we can get better educated about that's got to help everybody. It helps us. It helps the client. It helps all along. Right, right, which is, uh, which is correct. Um, so, yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit, Kurt, about the NFIP, um, just to paint the picture for surveyors out there um, of what it is, because a lot of people think, you know, it's, it's FEMA or whatever. But what I want to do is just talk a little about how they came to be, who they are, um, and what's going on these past few years that um, really left a lot of the professionals in the dark about all the new acts like the HFIAA Act and the Bigot Waters Act. So I want to just go over that real quick. Um, okay, with you. yep, take your time. So um, some basic terms, which you know, I'm sure all the surveyors know, the base flood elevation level, which is the calculated level that the floodwaters are going to rise to, that the FEMA puts on their firm maps um, and that, you know, you guys being the surveyors are going to put on the elevation certificate. Um, then we have the A zones and the V zones. The A zones <coughs> and the V zones are both special flood hazard areas. So if the client has a federally backed mortgage, they're going to be required to have flood insurance um, if they're in either of them zones. Uh, a V zone, which I like to call a high-velocity zone, has higher rates. So depending on the way their homes built, uh, if they have if they have built up on pilings and they have under a 200 square feet enclosure underneath there, they're going to be all right. But if not, which a lot of times we see, um, they're going to have much higher rates than an A zone. Um, and we do review, you know, both A and V zones. Now X zones, that's going to be their low risk zones where they're not required to have flood insurance, 
but they can get a preferred risk policy um, for under 500 a year for full coverage. So the National Flood Insurance Program came out in 1968, and the reason why was because all the private flood insurance carriers backed out. Um, they were seeing that the, there's just too much risk um, in the market for if there were ever a claim, that claim's going to hit normally the whole town. So that you know that's a big loss for an insurance company, and they backed out. So that's when FEMA came in with the National Flood Insurance Program in 1968 to have a government-funded program to help with all these homes that are that were and are built in flood areas. So it's managed by FEMA, and their objective is to protect all the homes in the floodplain. Um, and there's only a few, and there are some rules that communities have to abide by. They have to adopt these floodplain ordinances uh, into their codes and building requirements to be part of the National Flood Insurance Program. Uh, but by doing that, the town then is rewarded with federally backed flood insurance, and their homeowners are able to get flood insurance for their homes, which are all required, like I said, by mortgage companies. Um, and a way that they're moving now into is based off of the home's risk. That's now what they're really trying to move towards for their premiums and for their rating guidelines. So to keep it simple, high risk is going to be a higher premium. So if they're... If they're a slab on grade and they're, you know, four feet under the base flood elevation level, they're going to have a high flood insurance premium. Now, if they're at base flood elevation level or higher, they're going to have a lower premium. So that's probably the most, um, the most, the most objective detail that compares to normal insurance. Because like car insurance, if you have a lot of tickets, you're going to have a higher flood insurance, pre- I mean, a higher car insurance premium. So same thing with the flood insurance. If you're not built to code correctly, then you're going to have a higher flood insurance premium. Um, so the, the coverage limits for the NFIP, a one-to-four family structure, the max they can get is 250 building, 100 contents, 100,000 contents. So if they have a mortgage that's more than that, most of the time, the mortgage company is going to require um, is going to require the 250 max on their coverage. So some th- some changes that have happened in the past five years. Uh, the Bigot Waters Act came out in July of 2012, um, and what their what their what their goal was to do was to phase out all subsidized rates. Um, what a subsidized rate is, is a pre-firm home that does not have an elevation certificate. So a home built most of the time in the 60s or prior that never had an elevation certificate done previously would get rated based off of whatever their house is. So they would tell the insurance agent, um, listen, I have a basement, I have two floors, and that's pretty much it. And then they would say, the NFIP would come back and say, okay, your rate is going to be $1,300 a year. <clears throat> well, with the losses of Sandy and Irene, um, they, now the NFIP 
is basically in the red, um, in the negative, because they're paying out more claims than money they're co- more than what money's coming in for our policies. So one of the big reasons why was this subsidized rate, because people weren't being rated based off their risk. They were just getting this subsidized rate. <coughs> so now what they're doing, or with what they were doing with the Bigot Wars Act, was raising up premiums 20 to 25% a year, uh, depending on what type of residence it was. And a big thing was whenever there was a transfer of title, so whenever there was a real estate transaction, homes were going right to their actuality rating. So people were all up in arms, like realtors and people selling their houses. So then in 2014, uh, the Grim Waters Act came out, or the HFIAA Act, uh, which is the Homeowners Flood Insurance Affordability Act. And what they did is, um, going off the name Homeowners Flood Insurance Affordability Act, people thought, oh, well, now they're going to lower our premiums. Well, that's not the case. The only thing, the only difference between this and the Bigger Waters Act is, is they're just slowing, they're slowing it down, um, the increases. So instead of doing the 20 to 25% increase, they're doing an 18 to 25% increase, depending on the, the type of residency. Um, and they got rid of the real estate transaction, which was a big thing, um, where now if you sell the home, they can take over that, poli- that subsidized rate policy, um, go up that 18 to 25% a year until they hit their actual rating. So... The only way, though, um, which really, which really correlates to surveyors, the only way to get their actual rate is based off the elevation certificate, which a lot of homeowners don't know that. They just, their rates are increasing every year. Um, I see it every day where someone says, you know, I, I went up $400 last year. This year I, I went up a thousand. Um, I asked my insurance agent and they said, FEMA, it's FEMA's rates, and there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, so in reviewing that with the flood risk evaluator, I see that it's a subsidized rate, um, and then I tell them your first step is to get that elevation certificate because uh, with that, we can see what your risk is, what your actual rating is, and then we can go from that to where what mitigation needs to be done and how to lower the flood insurance um, for the homeowner. So that, that's how we, um, we review it in terms of, of that, of subsidized rates. Um, but FEMA is getting a lot better with getting their information out. Um, this year, under the Clear Communication Act, they're required to send out letters um, that say right on there ha- what to do next for the homeowner. If they have a subsidized rate, uh, then they're going to get a specific letter. If they're, whatever the case is, if they're in an A zone and they're, they're subgrade or whatever the case is, they have specific letters that go over that and say your first step is getting an elevation certificate. So that's going out to every single NFIP policyholder. Um, and my guess, or not my guess, but I know surveyors are going to be getting more and more calls after homeowners receive this letter because now they're getting a clear communication from FEMA what to do next. Um, I hate to break in again, but 
Yeah, we, sure. We're 10 seconds away from our next break. That'd be a good segue for us to go then and talk about the elevation certificate and how surveyors use them and what their benefit is and that kind of thing. So let's go to break. We'll be right back. Getting into underground utility location? If so, you'll want to know about the Schoenstatt Instrument Company's MPC kit, a multi-purpose combo for locating both ferrous objects and underground pipes and cables. And because it consists of two instruments in one package, it qualifies for trade-in allowances on two locators, any kind, any make, any condition. Contact your dealer for details. Or visit www.shonstat.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy Attention to use. Attention surveyors. Easy to Shasta find and break the, the next generation magnet. Like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Before we went to, to the break, Tyler, you were talking about the the whole uh, elevation certificate thing, and of course the surveyors get involved in that. And if I understood you correctly, you talked about how uh, rates are affected by information that's provided through the elevation certificate and, and data that comes from the surveyor or from from folks like you guys. Um, does 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 that mean that? If the, rate, if the rates go up every year, I think I understood that correctly, um, it, does that mean that you would have to have a new elevation certificate every time to show what the current conditions are, or do they just use the same information and it just continues to go up? No. So they would need, if like I was talking about with that going up, the premiums, what that is is for people who don't have elevation certificates. Okay. So, they would, yeah, so they would need to get an elevation certificate um, to get that actual actuality rating um, to see where it would go to. And that's what we're good for is telling the homeowner, um, listen, you're going to go up to, say, $2,000. Um, I would not give the elevation certificate in yet, but once you get to that point, then you would give it in, and then you'd be rated off the elevation cert, and you'd be rated at your actuality rating. And you want to go up from there. <coughs> so it's, I guess, in a sense, based on actual information rather than perceived information. That so that that helps them with the insurance, obviously. Assuming right. the assuming the information shows that that they should be moved up and not the opposite. 
Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, sometimes it shows, yeah, and, it, and to your point, sometimes it does show that it, they should be paying less than what their subsidized rate is. Um, I, see that, I see that a lot of times, too, where actually just the other day helped a woman um, in, up in here in New Jersey where she was being charged 2400 for flood insurance. Um, so first thing I ask her, do you have an elevation certificate? She says no. So I look at her declaration page. I see that she has a subsidized rate. I tell her to get an elevation certificate. Um, she goes get she goes and gets one, then sends it to me. Like I said this, last week, I review it and show she has a crawl space and should only be paying twelve hundred. Um, and you know she came over to my insurance company, and the reason why was because no one's ever told her that, and that could have kept going up every year, which it has been the past two years. And like I said, with the lack of knowledge in the professional field, no one's ever told her to get an elevation certificate to, you know, show your actual rating. And that's why I think it's a great thing that FEMA, under the Clear Communication Act, is sending these letters out and letting people know that is the first step to take is getting an elevation certificate. Because a lot of these pre-firm homeowners, may have had the house for, you know, 30 or 40 years, and they've never gotten one, they've never needed one, um, and they don't even know what one is, to be honest. And, you know, no, one's, no one is telling them that they should get one. Uh, and that's why, like I said, I think FEMA's doing a great thing with this Clear Communication Act and making sure people know that's the first step if your insurance is ri- rising up every year is to get that and to see what your actual rating is, um, and then from there we can look in mitigation, we can look in other avenues. But the first step is the elevation certificate, um, and that's, that's why it's so important that it's done properly uh, by the surveyor because going into, you know, now I want to go into a little bit of how to fill it out and stuff, but the elevation certificate is basically the house. That's all the information that an insurance agent needs to properly rate the the homeowner. So out in the field, an insurance agent is going to contact, or say the homeowner is going to contact the insurance agent and say, listen, I'm purchasing this home. I need flood insurance. Um, the agent is going to say, do you have an elevation cert? Most of the time they're going to if the property owner is selling the house. So they send it to the insurance agent. The insurance agent is going to look at it and literally go down each section, section A, section B, section C, um, and the comment section, and going to just put in all the numbers exactly as they read right into a mirror, a mirror program that basically calls out section A7, A8, um, C, you know, CA, whatever. It's going to call out every section and all the insurance agent is doing is uh, typing in the number. So A7, it's building diagram 2. So type in 2. Go to the next A8. That says 1,200 square feet. So I'm typing in 1,200 square feet. So they're literally typing in number for number, word for word, what the surveyor is uh, has information-wise on the elevation certificate. So the elevation certificate is so critical in getting the homeowner rated properly because that's what they're going to go off of. They're not going to go off of what the homeowner says. 
They're not going to go off of them going out to the property. They're just going to go right off of that elevation start and give them a rate based off it. So that's so where you... Just a quick yeah. question. If they don't have an elevation certificate, yep. do, do, is the rating then just based on worst case or something? Or Yeah, so then the rating is based off of if they're post-firm, meaning if they were built after, depending on the maps, usually 70s, now they are required to have an elevation certificate. So if they're going to get a flood policy as a post-firm property, they're going to need an elevation certificate to be rated off of. If they're a pre-firm property, um, they're able to get a subsidized rate. So if the current owner of the home had a subsidized rate, uh, say, 20 years ago, and they could, they continued to pay it throughout the years, they started out at 400 now they're at 1300 the new buyer can take over that policy or go to another agent, and they'll get that same policy, which is going to be around 1300 and it's going to go up 18 to 25% a year until they get the elevation cert. I see. Um, so it eventually it becomes in, in their best interest to get the elevation cert. Or I guess it always is, but they figure uh, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's very important for them to get it. And that's why FEMA is sending out that letter to let them know, get the elevation cert so we can get your actual risk. It may, Like you were saying uh, prior to the break, it may show that, you're paying uh, more than you should be, or it may be the other way around where you're paying less than you should be, but at least at some point it's going to stop. So it's going to stop, that subsidized rate's going to stop at the point you hit your actual rate. So you can plan for the future and know where it's going to go to. <laughs> but it all starts with the elevation, too. sir. Right, right, and they have coverage. Um, but it all starts with the elevation, sir, and it's very, very critical that it's done correctly because um, here uh, in our Risk Reduction Plus group um, setting, I'm going to look into the elevation cert. I can tell where there may have been an error by the surveyor, so I'm going to call that out. But an insurance agent, I'd say nine out of ten times, is going to just put down number for number, word for word, what that EC is, and it could be wrong. It could say the surveyor maybe thought it was a diagram two when really it's diagram nine, and that's going to throw the rate off substantially. And the insurance agent isn't going to pick that up. But like I said, that's something we do pick up. But for our training purposes, I want to go over a little bit about filling the ECE out and just relaying again how important it is to do it correctly so that the homeowners out there in the flood areas just get rated properly properly um, and you know receive the premium that they should be that they should be paying based off of their home so Great. a little bit about the EC um, sections a what they're going to do is put the diagram number in there I have diagram posters um, a big poster that a lot of surveyors like that show you all the diagrams on there. It goes right through 1, 1A, all the way through 9. It's going to show them <clears throat> what pictures of the diagram, and it's going to show them measurements and everything. So if anyone wants a poster, um, feel free to reach out to me, and I can just send you one out for your office. Um, but you're going to want to put the correct diagram number in Section A. Uh, then moving down, if it's a, sec if it's a diagram 
um, anything but a slab on grade. Put the square footage down in there because a lot of times, like I said, if someone puts a diagram two, it could be a nine. We still need that square footage for the enclosure. So just put that square footage in there in section um, A8A and make sure that's correct on the enclosure size. So moving to section A8B, the venting info, they're going to put down how many vents, um, how many permanent flood openings are in the enclosure. And now remember, vents are required to be no more than 12 inches from the adjacent grade. So that's either interior or exterior. If the vents look a little higher than 12 inches, ask the homeowner if the inside slab is higher because, like I said, you can go off of that interior grade. And also, so, so the surveyors know out there, it's off of the bottom of the vent. So you would measure from the bottom of the vent down. Now, moving to A8C, where they're going to put the amount of coverage for flood openings, um, I get this questioned a lot. So we have non-engineer guides. Now, I know because I know a lot of non-engineer vents are out there, and they're the air vents, um, the old air vents that slide or, you know, whatever the case is for your area. But if they are non-engineer vents, there's a few things that I want you to look out for. One, they have to be broken in the open position. So they have to be broken because FEMA doesn't want to rely on human intervention. They don't want to rely on the homeowner running outside and opening all them vents before a flood. They have to be broken in the open position. No covers, nothing impeding the flow of the water. Two, you have to measure in between any obstructions the flow. So if there's any louvers or if there's a screen, if there's anything getting in the way, you have to measure in between there. You don't just take the size opening, so you wouldn't take an 8 by 16 opening um, and say this qualifies for 120 square inches of flood coverage. You're going to want to measure in between each one of them louvers um, and get the coverage from that. Most of the time, depending on the case, it's around 40 square inches, 50 square inches or less. But I have non-engineer guides that, again, a lot of surveyors like, that it's a little booklet and whatever vent that we've seen in the field, we have pictured, and then we put right there the net open area. So instead of measuring it, we have our engineer here in, in office do all the CAD layouts and give the exact coverage for these vents. So then a, a surveyor out in the field can pop open the book, compare the pictures to the vent, and say, this covers 30 square inches, um, whatever the case is. We're ready is. for our last break, unfortunately. So okay. let's go do that. We'll check back up on this when we come back uh, after we uh, hear from Dave and our sponsors. So we'll be back shortly. Got a Shonstead locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS-recognized surveyor education program by shipping it, at no cost to you, to Shonstead. The factory will refurbish it to like new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy. Go to www.shonstead.com slash NSPS for details. Quick stakes. 
is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. I'm going to let Tyler go right back in. We got a couple other things we want to be sure we cover in the last 13 minutes. So I'm going to I'm going to give you the floor and and uh, let you go and cover finish up on A in the comments section and then hear about some case studies. Sounds good, Kurt. All right. So like I was saying before the break, um, Section A8, they're going to put in the flood openings info, um, depending on the coverage. So, like I said, you're just going to times the number of events by the coverage amount. So, using our book um, for for this case, we'll say, say they said there are 30 square inches each and they have 10 openings, it's going to cover 300 square feet of flood flood coverage. Um, In the case of our vents, which is another big question, the smart vent, we know that it says square inches in the EC, but our smart vents cover 200 square feet of flood coverage. So, what you can do is either put how much coverage there is, so say there's 10 vents, there would be 2,000 square foot of flood coverage, and then put a star next to it, um, or just put a star right in that uh, amount of flood openings, um, amount of flood coverage, put a little star there, and then go to the comments section, because I see a lot of surveyors use the comments section, but I see a lot of surveyors who don't use the, the comments section as well. The comments or what I like to say is really takes the liability off of you. And I say that because that's where you're going to put every single detail that you possibly can in there. So if you have a question, put it in the comments. So if they're, like in our case, the smart fence, if if it says square inches and you don't want to put the square footage of coverage, put a star in the square inches, go to the comments, and put in there smart vent model, blah, 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 Covers 200 square foot each, 10 openings, 2,000 in flood coverage. Um, put in there AC, AC and heater or hot water tank are machinery units because that, that goes into rating. And a lot of times I see surveyors don't put the machinery info in there, and an insurance agent, like I said, is just going to put whatever you have on there. So they might then put no machinery down there, and if something happens, like a claim, and they have machinery, um, they're going to be misrated and then have to go back and see why and all that, and it could cause a lot of headaches. So big thing to take away from this is use the comments section as best as you can. Any details, any questions you may have, put it right in that comments section. Um, 
So that goes over everything I have about the elevation, sir. Now, I, I obviously have a lot more detail I can go into. Um, feel free to reach out to me, like I said, and I can go over it with you. But I just want to go over some case studies just to show you actual savings that we've been able to help people um, and just some amazing stories that, that we've come across over the years here uh, at Risk Reduction Plus and SmartBank. So to start out, I just want to talk about um, a gentleman in Peoria, Illinois. His name was Robert Wagner. Um, we've done a whole, a whole study with him. Uh, we've done a whole video that I can send out. It's on our website, uh, YouTube slash SmartVent, that any surveyor can check out. It was really well done, uh, but it's a great story. So Robert Wagner in Peoria, Illinois' home was right on the Illinois River. Uh, literally right on the river, he walk out and you're right there at your dock and you're on the river. Um, but it floods a lot. Um, so here's some stats from the, from Mr. Wagner's home. He had it lifted in 1992 to a diagram seven. Uh, it's his primary residence. The BFE Imperial, Illinois is 460. And the elevation of his first living floor is at 460.5. So that gets rounded up to 461, and for rating purposes, as long as he had vents, which he didn't, but as long as he had vents, he'd be rated at a plus one, which is great. Big thing here, he's paying a lot in flood insurance. He doesn't know why his home was elevated, and he doesn't know why he's paying a lot in flood insurance. So he does some research. He Googles how to lower flood insurance, all that, comes and he comes across smart vents. So he reaches out to us. We talk to him, we get his elevation certificate, and we see that he doesn't have proper flood openings. Um, and some other things we see in his declaration page is a lot of things were misrated. They said his date of construction was 1920, which is true, but because of that lifting, it then makes its new born on date that date. So it should read 1992. Um, some errors with the EC. The surveyor said it was a diagram 1A, which we know is a slab on grade. So he was being rated as a slab on grade minus 10, um, which you can think, you know, just going off of numbers, minus 10, that should be a lot, right? Well, he's paying over $6,000 of flood insurance because of that. And that just some simple errors that either the insurance agent pick could have picked up or the surveyor should have said it was a diagram seven because that area was unfinished underneath the living floor. So we were to the EC. We say, listen, Rob, you need to put in five flood openings, um, five of our engineered smart vents. He installs them in September of 2014, sends us pictures. So we're all happy for him. Um, we, he then gets a new elevation start. The surveyor this time, because we had our eyes on it, did it correctly, wrote diagram 7, 968 square feet of enclosure, five smart vents covering 1,000 square feet of flood coverage. So he's covered, um, and now he should be rated at a plus one. And the reason for that was because he installed smart vents. So... We did the quote for him. Um, we also got his insurance because we were able to give him all this information and help him out along the way. And we brought him down to twelve. We brought him down to 
$511 for the same amount of coverage. Um, the retrofit costs $1,200. So it costs him $1,200 to put these vents in, and he saved a ton of money. He went down to $511 from that. Um, he got a refund check back. He sent us pictures of his refund check and said, thank you guys so much. I'm going on vacation with this money. And he did, which was, you know, which is a great story just because we helped them save the money, we helped them pay for the job itself, and we helped the guy go on vacation. So, I mean, how, how much better publicity can you get from that? <laughs> yeah, that's hard to beat, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's hard, man. So, And what, what did you say he was initially paying? Several thousand? Yep, yeah, slab on grade, over, over $6,000. We brought him down to five eleven, just by getting that EC done right and just by putting in five vents, which cost him $1,200, which he saved right off that refund check. So it was yeah, a no-brainer for Pretty nice vacation every year that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, But that's not the end of the story, which is crazy. So in July 2015, this is an actual email right from Rob Wagner, and he goes, along with the yearly insurance savings, our mortgage payment has dropped, as well, so we really did save a lot of money by installing smart vents and coming over to Risk Reduction Plus Group. If you have not heard, the Illinois River is flooding, and we are prepared because of you. I'm attaching a picture of smart vents in action. So he sends us a video of his whole di- his whole lower enclosure flooded, but the vents opening properly, allowing that debris to flow through and flow out and reducing that hydrostatic pressure. So that was just, you know, over the top. You know, we, we, were, we were mesmerized by it. This, this is a great story because not only did we save the guy money, not only did he go on vacation, but a flood came and his house came out all right. Nothing happened to his house, no structural damage, um, and, it, and it came out all right because of the smart vents. So... He sends us a picture after and says, here's the house still standing, uh, which is great. But another thing, again, January 14th, 2016, it floods. And now this is in the winter. So he sends us a video. There's ice chunks. It's crazy looking. There's ice chunks and all sorts of stuff flowing through that, that lower enclosure. And, again, no structural damage because he was properly mitigated he had his house lifted in 92. He had the vents in to reduce the pressure, and that's the reason why he's paying the lower flood insurance amount is because his risk is a lot lower than, say, a, a slab on grade or whatever the case may be for a lower rating. And because of that, he's, he's properly fine when, if a flood were to come, and he's also paying a lower flood insurance premium because of it. So with the kind of house he had without the relieving that pressure, I'm assuming it could have probably destroyed the whole place. Oh, yeah, and we've seen that with Sandy and Irene up here in New Jersey just because I do a lot of work in New Jersey. I've seen a ton of homes um, all across the coast that didn't have vents in and they had structural damage, their foundation completely collapsed. Um, and, yeah, with his house, there was multiple houses on that Illinois River uh, that he told me about 
that had structural damage. They weren't built into compliance, and that was the reason why. So he was built to compliance, and, you know, all the studies and everything show that if they do this, they put these vents in, they do this, they do that, it's going to lower the rate because it's going to lower the risk. And now we have videos and all sorts of stuff where we've seen homes go through flood events with our vents installed, and they, they have no damage. And, you know, they look like, a, a lot of times, they look like they were just built. There was one home, um, one condo building that we worked with in Seabright um, that was elevated, that had our vents, and after Sandy, we went out, and actually FEMA went out because they wanted to show what proper mitigation does. And this home, if you saw pictures, Kurt, looks, looks literally like it was just built. But then you look down the street or you look across the street even, and you see a ton of homes that were collapsed and trash everywhere. And then this home just sitting in the middle, at, um, completely fine. All that you could tell is the watermark from the flood event. And it was a real diamond in the rough. Well, we're about a minute out from being through the show today. I, I just want to make sure I thank you for being on. There's a lot of good information you've provided today uh, all up and down the line, and in particular for, for us in the surveying profession to uh, be able to better understand and get help in understanding all the things we need to know about the elevation certificate and, and the information that goes on there. So I really appreciate you joining me today, and I'm sure I'm probably going to get feedback on this. We may have to do another show sometime. But, uh, Sounds good. It's uh, really good to, to get this kind of information so we in, as surveyors know that there's help out there and also that we need to make sure we understand how that EC needs to get filled out. So thanks so much for joining me today. It's been fantastic to have you on the show. Kurt, thank you so much for having me. Um, if anyone needs to reach out to me, please do so for training purposes, for questions. If you want me to run an FRE on your on your client's property, I can. Um, I think we're going to be shut off here, so <laughs> sorry. Sounds that, good. Thanks again, Tyler. I appreciate it very much. All right, Kurt. Thank you, sir. Take care.